Hey, everybody, welcome. We are just working over some technical stuff here. There's Susan here helping me out. Uh, Caleb's there as well. I have the damnedest time getting on Rumble every day. So here, she's going to do it for me. So uh, today we uh, moved the show up an hour, obviously. You can see that we're here early. And we are going to be doing calls only, just your calls, whatever you want to talk about. I thought it was a nice follow-on to what we did yesterday with Dr. Victory and Alex Berenson. A lot of material brought up. Oh, and there we are. And the Rumble Rant guys are there. Okay, we've seen you guys. I'm also, of course, on the Restream chat. And I'm going to go. I'm not out yet on the Twitter spaces, which I will do right now, hopefully. Uh-oh. Caleb, did you put it? There we are. Answering your questions now. Okay, let's get to it. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. So again, I thought yesterday was a very interesting show. And as always, Dr. Victory has appreciated her point of view. Um, she has some extreme views. Uh, some No, I wouldn't say extreme. Some clear views that uh, I'm... <laughs> well, you, Susan's laughing. But I, she has clarity about things that I'm still reserving judgment on. Um, and it was nice to hear Alex Barrettson's point of view as well. I don't know about you, but I took out... I took away a few... It, 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 talking to the two of them yesterday, for me, clarified some things. Again, a, a reason why I talk to people with different points of view from myself. One was, I didn't know that the public health community had used fear explicitly as a tool, as an instrument. I knew that fear was being deployed. I thought it was the press uh, really just doing their thing to try to capture more eyes, essentially, and they actually whipped themselves into hysteria and then got the country into hysteria. But according to Alex Berenson yesterday, there actually were some behavioral psychologists involved in the sort of deployment of fear to try to whip people, to try to um, cow people into submission for the policy of lockdown because the public health community internationally decided collectively that the Chinese Communist Party had it right, that they were doing it right. That was the correct way to do deal with this virus. Whether or not... There was something about the lab or the lab leak or the funding for the lab leak. I, I still don't know what to make of all that yet. I'm, and people, what's that, Susan? What's the matter? You're sighing. Well, it's just communism pushing into the United States, pushing into other countries. Like, like it, this is how they treat communists, like well, the not, in communist country. Not just communism, but totalitarianism. Right? Yeah, totalitarianism. And, and so totalitarianism is something anathema, I thought, to what we were doing here. But, but, but like I, in Shanghai, remember when they shut yeah, down again yeah. and everybody's in their houses, yeah. starving to death, yeah. jumping out of buildings? Yes. That's what they want That's, us to do. Well, I don't know whether they want us to do it or not. The fact that we did it to ourselves is the shocking thing for me. Right. And that we used fear and the press deployed the fear. And then here's the... So well, a lot of the press was coming from China. I, I don't know. The I propaganda, think, I, for sure, for I, sure. I, the propaganda, but uh, look, what we, prompted... They picked it up because it what got... What prompted the, the, the editorial bait. journalists at the New York Times to demand a lockdown? These are journalists. They have no, they're not 
and no knowledge in public health or infectious diseases, why did they get a vote? Why would they? Did they have an opinion? How why did, did anybody listen job? to them? I mean, well, Alex Berenson wasn't so doing you, that. So you sound you like this radicalized you. This whole this conversation. Well, no, I'm already. I already so, believe that. I mean, right, I well, and we didn't really go into that because you know. Well, we because can, we don't know, and we but we do know that he did have evidence that they used fear. We have known evidence in email exchanges that they they completely bought into what the CCP was doing as, as their strategy and that it was the strategy. They refused to change course when it was quite clear that it was not the correct strategy. But, but the other piece of clarity that I had from talking to both of them was that Section 230 about the internet and public health emergency, um, what do they call them, er, emergency privileges, the, the policies that they're allowed to access, both these things uh, were used to control the public in a way that I don't think we ever want to do again, even in a real medical emergency where something horrible is going on. I think the courts have to start looking at the the power that is granted to the public health and the internet major corporations through through um, through two, proposition section 230 that these these are excessive. Uh, and they harmed people badly. And I think we need to kind of look at that. I think we have to examine it. And the, I think the courts need to start at least putting some puncture holes in the extent of these potentials for power overreaches. Where they, they I, it's again, I, I, I guess I was sort of primed a little bit by reading Naomi Wolf's book, where she was really questioning this, that she sort of, again, she was almost writing a diary as this happened in real time and was questioning, did, did we know that we had powers in this country that could do this to us? And are we okay with that? And that's really the question. That really is the question. So today I'm taking your calls. Uh, so whatever you'd like to talk about, I'm willing to do so. I just thought it was interesting. If you had any thoughts about what Alex Berenson and uh, Kelly Victory were saying yesterday, you just raise your hand over here at Twitter. And if you missed it, check it out. Yeah, check it out, check it out, try it out. <laughs> uh, home here now. Uh, I also, I am watching the... Uh, Which Naomi Wolf book, Caleb wants uh, to know? Bodies of Others, I think it is called. Bodies of Others uh, is the new one that she's just written. And um, Susan, I don't think you got me onto the right... Oh, there it is. Okay, ask me anything. Um, okay, I'm watching you guys over at Rumble Rants, and I'm watching the restream, see if there are any questions there. It's weird. When you go to the, your... Uh, at Dr. Drew, when you well, you just push Dr. Drew up in the top of the Rumble thing. It the live feed doesn't pop up. You have to click on your head, okay, next to your latest video, and then it'll go to the live feed. Got it. That's why you couldn't find it. Uh, Brandon, thank you. Brandon was actually at my lecture in um, Myrtle Beach. Uh, remember, I was in Myrtle Beach. I was in Myrtle Beach when the lockdown happened, oh, yeah. and uh, it was a really <laughs> lovely community. I really enjoyed speaking with them, and it was one of the last speeches I did for a couple of years. It's true. Uh, and it was very, uh, again, I was I was sort of shocked to You're see You were running things. around a lot that week, too, and you hadn't really gotten uh, all the pertinent information, you know. You were doing a lot of traveling. Yeah, yeah. And what? And if you remember, I there it is. There's Brandon's comment. And if you remember what I did was I had to, we, we started the Fox 11 local newscast that week from North Carolina, where I was, for <laughs> South Carolina. Myrtle Beach is North Carolina, South Carolina, the Carolinas. And um, and uh, that night, first broadcast, we talked to Dr. Oz, and uh, he was reporting on the whole notion of what a cytokine, cytokine storm was. <laughs> and so that was oh my really the first time. I don't time. even want to think about that time. South Carolina, so hi, Brandon. 
So nice to see you. Yes, and 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 congratulations on that whole community. It was really a delight to speak to them. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, okay, let's uh, bring Russell on. We want to come back. Give somebody a call. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to come back there. That was it was a great experience. Uh, Russell, go right ahead. Hey, Drew. I uh, I've been wanting to ask your opinion on some of this stuff I hear about further rights being. Uh, or further laws being changed that have to do with same-sex marriage, same-sex uh, sexual acts, things. Do you know what I'm talking about when the I, abortion rights I know, issue? I know that people, that there was some logic of, I, again, you're talking to somebody that doesn't, is not legally trained. So, But what I was seeing was the, the logic of undoing the logic of Roe versus Wade seemed to threaten some of the logic that was used to defend same-sex marriages and that sort of thing. Even though literally nobody imagines this is a world where that could be threatened, uh, the, it's sort of the who knows uh, kind of thing. And I, again, to me... All I saw happen was, you know, federalism versus states' rights. This this back and forth that goes, you know, back and forth in this country, where power becomes centralized in the federal government, and then the the constitution. Some people interpret it as constitutionally excessive, and it goes back out to the states again to make decisions. If you live in a state where you feel like that kind of thing could be encumbered, then get to work immediately on on uh, some political activism in your state. I mean, one of the things that that uh, Alex de Tocqueville, I like to quote about his book uh, on democracy in America, or just called Democracy in America, he noticed was that the reason democracy worked in this, uh, in this country was that it was practiced locally. It was a local practice. And if you really think about how, you know, what kinds of governmental agencies really affect your life it is your local government more than anything else the ones that give you electricity and your water and your power and your and your your uh, garbage collection and you know this this is these are the people that in your educational systems this is what makes a difference in your life the federal government is a million miles away yes it'd be nice to have a federal government that had some uniformity of uh, positions on things around civil privileges and rights I, I understand that but let's if we can get it in the state's rights um, then you're pretty much covered. That's sort of the question is, did the Constitution intend for it to be centralized like that or not? Get it right in your state. That's sort of what I keep thinking about. What do you think? Yeah, well, I was just really curious to get your opinion on that. I, I had no real idea of whether that was a, a significant possibility, you know, something to to really be concerned concerned about but just want to make sure people it, can still try it out you know yeah try it out try it out exactly i i can't imagine we live in a world i, I don't know what to think of it i again i don't there's so much that I'm, it confuses me these days uh i mean we have to remember we lived in a time when people um people took issue with gay marriage and then it then gay marriage was made the law of the land and all of a sudden everyone was just fine with it and i would think that that people are fine with it now i i think they were struggling with the to me remembering back to those days they seem to be struggling with the definition of marriage what is marriage and I, you know i think we got ourselves through that and and now we're having to sort of do it on a more local level as well as on a national level i i, I that's kind of how i see it Again, uh, raise your hand if you have questions. You'll be streaming out on uh, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, all the different platforms. Yeah, I, I, I just. But again, people have been disappointing me so much the last couple of years. It's it's hard to know. I just don't think we live in a country where gay gay marriages would be encumbered again or uh, disallowed again. 
I don't know, uh, but who knows? Uh, it certainly does, you know, the way this system was supposed to work, you know, whether we agree with it or not is a different issue, but the way it was sort of set up was if you don't like the government in your state, you move to another state. And I know that's sort of harsh and not even realistic for some people, but that's kind of how the system was set up. And we can argue all day about whether that's good or not, uh, but it, it is kind of, you know, what they're, what they're using as their guidelines. I, and I do, you know, come to California, there will not be a problem here. New York, there will not be a problem there. I can't imagine. Uh, uh, Jen Lin is saying, I will not call in until you tell the truth. All right, Jen, what do I need to tell the truth about? <laughs> what would that be? Where are uh, Jen's grandchildren? Well, I don't know what that means. Well, is I that a your mom's house thing? I, I I don't even know. Jen Lin needs answers. Okay, who's okay, Jen Lin? I don't who, know. Who is Jen Lin? New, new person. Uh, what is your opinion on methadone? Um, methadone, I'm not a fan of methadone because once people get on it, it is almost impossible to get off of. Uh, if you have a situation where it's the only access you have and your life depends upon getting you know off the heroin, off the fentanyl, onto methadone, okay. But uh, Suboxone is clearly superior. And even Suboxone, I've got real, real, question, real concerns about. Uh, let's see what's in, uh, I'm reading some of these. Mm. Government should have no say so in marriage. Tom, Tom cigar says, yeah, marriage is the only contract you make with society. Think about that. Contracts otherwise are between you and an organization or you and people, but the only one you make with, with society at large is, is marriage. It's the only one. Pam asks, is Novavax safer? Don't really know yet. Uh, it's an old, it's, yeah, and it's not formatted to the newest variant yet. It is not, but it's an old platform. And if they if people start requiring boosters, I personally will probably get Novavax. I, I don't think I don't. You want to have people test it out first <laughs> instead of being the guinea pig. Uh, you're asking me personally. Yeah. Uh, well, I would only get the booster if I had to. You know what I mean? If I was required to travel or something, and if I were required to do that, that's probably the one I would choose. Um, the problem is. The CDC is right now uh, sort of loosening some of their requirements, which is good. They're not strengthening them, which is great. Um, Sarah Mills says Anne Haish had cocaine and fentanyl in her system. Well, that would fit the behavior. The beha she really is. She's in big trouble. Both. Uh, wow. Yeah, if that's true. That is really tough for her, but I hope, hope she gets well. Um, back to uh, what was I just talking about? Um, uh Hang on a second. No I mean, it makes sense. It's... Well, I look, I just sat through two people. I was locked in a room with you for three days while you had active um, coronavirus. I, I traveled didn't take with, cocaine or fentanyl. Though. I traveled with Paulina. I shared utensils with her. So in a course of six weeks, I was actively just inundated right, with Omicron, and I got no symptoms. So my need for a booster is and zero. And you flying all zero. over the country without a mask on. Zero need for booster for me. But if the bureaucracies, which I have learned are really the problem right now, require me to get a booster, I I would have to get it in order for us to travel, and that'd be that. Uh, I was watching people. I had to go to the doctor, mm -hmm. and I was watching people wearing masks outside in 100-degree weather in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, do they have they never had COVID and they're just really trying not to get COVID? Because I've had COVID twice, so like 
I know that if I get it, I'm not going to die. And I would like to not get it, but I don't think I will. I'm what, kind what, of. What are you asking? The people wearing masks? Maybe they, they haven't either been vaccinated or they haven't had COVID. Anybody wearing a mask, I guarantee you, was vaccinated. Outside. I guarantee you. That. No, I, but outside. They're, like, they're signal. They're I mean, I get it. Going. When you go into the the hospital, it's a, it's a good idea to wear a mask, okay? Because there's a good chance there's some Omicron flying around. Yeah. But outside in the parking lot, I'm just, I, I was just, I'm still trying to figure out what their thought process is. And uh, here's, this, this is the, like, they, they just want to be never, ever have COVID and say they never had it. You know, I, I don't feel like that's it. They want to, they, it's some sort of weird clinging to the virtue of this behavior. I mean, Somehow maybe every, maybe they virtuous. haven't been vaccinated. Maybe they. No, I, I've have... never met somebody who's masking that hasn't been vaccinated. Masking and vaccines are the same people. That's the same people. <laughs> and then the masking, and what the really curious group to me is outdoor with a surgical mask, which has absolutely no benefit whatsoever. <laughs> well, even just a mask outside, and, like when you go outside, it's hard to breathe, and nobody's going to give you COVID outside in 100 degrees. It's, well, if you right? remember when we were um, at the airport, we met a couple who was wearing a mask, and I. And I found it odd. Uh, well, and, the one, the surgeon that I sat well, next he was to. Not, he was not wearing it in such a way that it would do anything. No, he was wearing his mask on the plane the whole time he sat next to me. Then he took it down. Surgeon. Then he took it down and put it on his chin. In the, and so, to so, talk to us but in the that, thing. That, in, that, now it didn't work. You have to, you have to. <laughs> it's literally if you go in a patient room, let's say you yeah, go in a room. Yeah, but his wife gave him the eyeball say, and made him put it back. I so understand. it was more her. It, right. And, and she was Asian, of course, but it, I don't want to say. Are you saying something? I feel like more Asians are wearing them in the in the airport than usual than other because people. that's culturally probably more yeah well they were wearing them before okay you know they okay. just they think they'll they're better and maybe. all right that's fine I, I, I have no problem with people wearing a mask to protect themselves yeah. that I have no problem with that that makes perfect sense to me and you, you wear an N95 mask but you must wear it one hundred percent of the time think in terms of going into a patient room with an infectious disease and trying to protect yourself if i went in a, in a patient's room i would not lower the mask below my nose to talk to the patient i would leave it on perfectly no, the I know, entire I know. time i'm in the room i think he and was then i, would take I think it he was unvirtue signaling to show you that he really thought it was bullshit that, that he, he was didn't doing care it for his that's life. what i thought yeah. that's what it looked like to me too <laughs> I, but, I wish i had a mask on i fell asleep and started snorting and snoring next to him because i was so tired okay so. here's epic journey saying i always wear mask outside in the summer uh because of smog <laughs> okay well that's a different thing that's okay fair enough uh taylor sam says i often just don't take it off until i get to my car why it has okay well here's the one there okay let's try to be rational about it omicron is more like measles as compared to the alpha and the delta the r naught of omicron is like 17 so there actually is some possibility of it transmitting outdoors though it Practically, it just doesn't happen. So to wear the mask outdoors makes no sense. Now, I understand you forget you have it on, you leave it on, that makes sense to me maybe. But it just it's just kind of silly to have a mask on outdoors. Um, so I'm not sure I get what people are up to with that. I, I'd like to hear. And people that do it are self-righteous about it. And I wonder what the self-righteousness is about. I mean, what what... You know, why do you have any feeling about it other than you're just trying to protect yourself? If you want to do that, please do so. Uh, yes, and Jay says, it's a joke. Everyone takes it off to eat and drink. Right, and that nullifies the effect. That makes it not work. So, uh, rational revolution indeed. Uh, let's I, see. I just want everybody to have their own choices. I didn't care. Yeah. He had a yeah, mask yeah. on. I wasn't judging him. I felt, you know, yep. it, it, 
Yep. He's well, remember, a heart surgeon. He can't be off work if it gives as, him that little bit more protection. As whatever. we discussed with uh, Alex Berenson yesterday, that even New York has similar mandates to Los to California. But in we were in New York City just a couple of days ago, and nobody pays any attention to those mandates. He did tell you that he's doing more heart surgery or um, heart transplants. He said he was doing really lung transplants, and those were the COVIDs. We talked about heart transplants. He said to see a few of those. And my question was, was that COVID or was that vaccine? And it's not really, we don't really know. Uh, what's my th thoughts on celebrities shaving their head? Um, you know, Brian, when people shave their head, it's often a, a manic symptom, they, an aggression symptom. So people with addiction, people with bipolar mania will suddenly shave their head. That's sort of something that happens. And sometimes it's just a fashion statement. Sometimes it's just don't. Sometimes, as they say, sometimes a cigar is just a good smoke. Uh, Bien saying wearing a mask is self-righteous. Uh, I Oh, I assume that someone wearing a mask is self-righteous. I do not assume it has been my experience experience that when I talk to people about their mask wearing, they're quite self-righteous about it. And I'm wondering why they have any feelings about it. They just want to protect themselves. Please do. Uh, okay, let's see what else got with you guys. Mm. Okay. I mean, it'll, it'll protect you against other stuff too, so whatever. Uh, against respiratory yeah respiratory a cold thing. a cold you can mm, kind colds, of avoid it colds are kind of on the hand some right some are some are um, or it'll if you have a cold it'd be good to wear it and not make everybody else sick let's see here's brandon who's been a methadone for 22 years i had a horrible yeah. cold when i was on a plane sitting next to sugar ray leonard and i couldn't talk to him the whole time mm -hmm. and uh at the end of the plane i was like sorry i couldn't say hello and he goes, I said, I have this runny nose. I don't want to give it to you. Okay. I wish I had a mask. It would have been better. But he goes, you need some vitamin C. Okay, this is uh, MGO. Uh, let's hear what you have to say. Again, when you are called up, you have to unmute your mic, which is in the lower left-hand corner of your phone, and uh, go ahead and speak. Uh -oh. Okay. Hey, Dr. Drew. Hey, man. What's Can you hear on? me? I hear you. Hey. I just have a question. If we go back to the beginning of the pandemic yeah. without the fear inside of it yeah. and knowing that this to be a highly transmissible um and deadly disease mm -hmm. wouldn't it make i mean i don't understand that you know wouldn't it make sense to avoid people and the lockdown would make sense at that point he, the majority of transmission was in the home uh so you were locking people down in the environment where most of the transmission occurred and you still had you know the the workers that were essential and they got it uh, and they brought it home uh, if you could lock down perfectly where everyone just locked in a cell like China did, maybe. But the reality is respiratory viruses just do what they do. We've known that forever. The whole notion of lockdown is you will never find it in an infectious disease book anywhere. And in fact, the only evidence, the only time lockdown was attempted was in Venice in like the 12th century, and it turned out to be a disaster. And even the notions of lockdown that were discussed in infectious disease circles were for influenza, and it was local lockdowns, primarily schools, because kids are the primary trans transmitters of influenza. No one ever, ever contemplated locking down a country. That was never contemplated. And it clearly didn't make any difference. The states that locked down did the same as the states that didn't lock down. Now, you could say, 
it was it was you know fearful and we didn't know and they did the best they could and I get that and so for four months or six months I I I'm you know I signed up for it when uh, our state locked down I said okay they're preparing for the worst case and these are hard decisions and I understand it but after about six months it became pretty clear that uh, this was not this was not going to work and uh, there we've got to sort of think of other ways of doing this now now the the other issue was. We got to do something and get to a vaccine, right? And and I, again, that's the other thing I signed up for. Let, let's get to a vaccine as quickly as possible. Let's distribute it. And remember what a disaster the distribution of the vaccine was. Oh, yeah. Remember, that was a mess too. And remember what a disaster testing was. If we've been able to, we were supposed to do testing and then, you know, and and be able to sort of notify people who might have been exposed and to, and to particularly keep, or people that were genuinely at risk of dying from this thing, in a in a in a sort of isolated you know quarantine posture that that has been discussed taking at risk populations and you know really protecting them that made sense and then the other thing that didn't make sense was sending people home who were sick and telling them to come back when they were sicker that's how young people got into trouble with covid which was right which it was, was too the, late that was terrible i that's one of the things that bothered me the most how is sam shocker's brother that that happened to him, right? Correct. He was sent home to go, right. and, well, and, and, he, and he and he died. I've always he, why. And he died of it. Yeah. So there, they he it died? just yes. Oh, I'm so and, sorry. And um, and she, you know, it is a is a look. The 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 thing is, it's a horrible illness. It was a horrible outbreak. Needed aggressive measures. I, it's exactly what I kept saying from the beginning. The CDC should have been managing it. Dr. Fauci should have been managing it. We should have taken the risk populations and isolated them. We should have done our best to get to that vaccine. But to have these extreme reactions that we had that are still in place, some of them, when the evidence is clearly in that it just did what it did. And we didn't know that. We didn't know it was going to do it. I'll grant you that. And, uh, it, it, and, and I will say that it was very difficult. But the, the the thing I learned yesterday talking to Alex Berenson was that they were using fear to to um, you know cow people into submission, and that I know of no evidence of anything in medicine where fear is ever advocated. I mean, that's the opposite of what we're supposed to do as doctors. So there's so many things about this that are sort of cause you to shake your head and you know wonder what what why we didn't adjust course, why we couldn't have done a little better, and why we're not looking at it now and sort of doing our best to take an honest look at everything and see what we can learn so, that, so we don't make the same mistakes next time. And some of it is the 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 fact that the public health community had absolutely no checks on their on their ability to do whatever they wanted to do and that seems kind of silly now. Uh elevated D dimer JM uh was 688 now 830. Hmm. Yeah, JM, I would uh I mean the question is whether you should even be on anticoagulation or at least aspirin therapy and you know, I would keep I'm assuming you had covid or had the vaccine and that's why the D dimer is up. So that's a very serious thing. Uh please do look at that. Uh You know what's weird about covid though and I you got to give them a benefit of the doubt when people came in they weren't showing test positive for like three days, and we didn't really know that at the beginning. What are you right? talking about? I'm so not... we would they would send people home and say, "No, not... they knew what people had COVID. They knew it. They did. Oh, you could see it on chest X-ray. You could see the the hypoxemia. I mean, that was COVID. It was pretty clear clinically, even right. if the tests were negative. But sending people home until their 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 uh, PO two went into the eighties is oh, uh, oh. that is is that, that what is, they did? Yes. 
Come back when your PO2s in the 80s. They could have given them steroids. It could have given, I mean, at least careful follow-up. But they, we didn't do, it was really bad medicine. Really I think the other medicine. thing we've learned is not to depend on the emergency room for your health care. Like everybody should have a general practitioner, you know, or pediatrician taking care of them. You know, I a lot of people just don't have doctors. I know. They have know. to go to Kaiser. They have to get. Mm -hmm. And a lot of doctors them. work in big systems and the systems were dictating how the physicians behaved. Pay and that's, a little extra and get and a doctor. And that's how we got into trouble. And that's how, especially how we got into if trouble. you have comorbidities, you know, it's. But it's weird because people don't have it, and then they go to the ER, and then they're at the mercy of the hospitals, which is not good. Uh, Drew. Oh, uh, let's see. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, so we we got to go What's to break up? in just a minute here. But did you see the thing that the okay. CDC put out, like probably like forty five minutes ago, about their new recommendations and their changes? That they're they're they're. I knew they were. I just saw that they were loosening things quite a bit. Do you have them up there? Yeah, I have it right here, and I just saw it. So that we actually had. I think that's what Dr. Peter Hotez there. We had him on the show a few months yep, ago. That's Hotez. But, yeah. Uh, apparently, okay. Social also, distancing. Okay. Social distancing. Here's the thing about social distancing. There, social distancing is not a concept that ever existed in infectious diseases. It was an arbitrary thing that they invented out of whole cloth. And now we have a more infectious, much more infectious virus, and they're getting rid of social distancing. So that tells you social distancing wasn't much good to begin with. Okay, yep. what else? That's that's literally the point that I saw right there. It says no longer recommend staying at least six feet away from other people. Yeah, because it doesn't really work. It never did work, and it really doesn't work with this more infectious thing. Wow. Uh, anything else that we're having? I think we're, I think less testing for going in and out of the country or something, right? No quarantine, no right? The quarantine controls. In schools. Oh, yeah, the testing to stay in school, boy, that's a good one. That is a good one. The, you know, what we did to kids, that's really, I mean, if I had to, you know, you can always look at some of the other things and go, we didn't know, we didn't know, we were scared. Okay. But the school lockdowns and the duration of school lockdowns, that that is, it's not in every state, by the way. It was in some states only. That was atrocious. And uh, it's interesting. There is a pediatrician who is a state assemblyman here in California who is trying to... Uh, make laws against disinformation, which is, again, hard to understand what exactly what he was going after. And he said disinformation like, such as lockdown caused emotional distress. Well, he, he has a point in the sense that we've not, down, we've not done any kind of controlled studies to find out what lockdowns did. But it's either lockdowns or it is the panic and hysteria that they created that damaged kids. We know for sure that there is an emotional problem going on now in this country as it pertains to young children. Talk to any of them, they will tell you. From 35 to eight, they were deeply affected by this. And uh, it, it should have, we should have been doing everything we could have done to mitigate that as opposed to ignoring it completely or actually silencing people, silencing people who are attempting to try to soften some of this so it could be made better. They, they, again, it's one thing to disagree. It's another to vilify and silence people for having an alternative opinion or who are trying to help, you know, trying to help. That That is just uh, really, I mean, people should be thinking about how they behave during some of this. Uh, I think what do you this got is here? something what, what right here. At? This is something that you've been saying since the start, which is they should be focusing yeah. more on improving ventilation of buildings. Absolutely. And I have 100%. not heard that ex from anyone except you this whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and there's concern. See, aerosol scientists have long complained the six-foot social distancing guidance was arbitrary and unhelpful. You're correct. Because this virus can float through the air with greater distances. That is 100% true. And in fact, masks may make that 
worse. That's what some of the engineering were concerned with. If you remember, we, we interviewed an engineer here who was very concerned, particularly about the tight-fitting masks, which would protect the individual. You need to wear it to protect yourself. But if you had COVID, you might more be more likely to spread it. So Von Ronge on uh, Rumble said he has a degree, or she has a degree in mass transfer courses, chemical, biochemical engineering, and okay. can show you the statistical mechanic calculation mass will not stop an airborne virus due to any useful extent. So there you go, Von Ronge. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, I like that name. Yeah, I, we have talked. I wonder if she's one of the ones we. He, spoke. I don't he, know. He, okay. she. They, I'm not sure. So yeah, please do a chemical biomechanical biomedical engineer. Yeah, why weren't you guys listened to during this whole thing? You're not the first one I've heard say this. Why weren't scientists and engineers allowed to talk? That's the thing that's concerning about this. It's easy to say, hey, we were scared. We didn't know. We tried the best we could. I, I got that. But why silence the discourse from people yeah. who actually freaking knew something? It's too much for me. Because Barbara Farrar was working on her career on television. I don't know what it was. Crying on camera. No, I'm not sure. I don't know what it was. <laughs> okay, let's uh, take a little break here about for our friends from Virginia. So we'll come back and take more calls. I think we have found the holy grail of skincare. Genucel has absolutely changed, certainly my skincare regimen. I like that vitamin C serum, the under eye creams, skin nourishing primer. Susan loves the eyelash enhancers, uses it on her eyebrows as well. Genucel has everything to make us both feel and look amazing. Best part, the quality of the products. Using pure ingredients like antioxidants, copper peptides, and a proprietary calendula flower base, Genucel knows how to formulate products to perfection without irritation. For Susan, she hates that annoying dry area under nose during allergy season, like right here. She's tried everything, but no matter what, the skin is flaky and dry. Nothing seemed to help until she started using Genucel's Silky Smooth XV Moisturizer. Soaked right into the skin. She was hooked after one use and now loves all of their products as well. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because... It's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time and I'm so excited because it's actually working. Right now, you can try Genucel's most popular collection of products and see what I'm talking about for yourself. Go to genucel.com and enter code DREW for 10% off. That is G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com and the code is D-R-E-W. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for 
Eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, you want to, oh boy. <laughs> he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis versicolor mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com, P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, petclub247. Susan is a snob with the skin products, but she loves her some Genucel, so please do support them. They have good products. Uh, let's see what you guys are talking about here. Uh, Susan is going to bring something up here right now that I want to share with you and plop it down in front of me. People were asking questions about the monkeypox. Monkeypox, I think we finally have a female uh, infected with monkeypox, I think in Florida or somewhere that I read about this morning. I was looking to see if any females had yet been infected, and I my the data I was seeing said no, only males thus far. And again, it is it is intimate skin-to-skin contact. It is not airborne. It is does not appear to go by on surfaces. It's it's much like herpes. That's the way these sort of viruses do transmit. They, they tend to be at the point of the of the lesion and the skin contact. And if you remember how herpes is transmitted, it's kind of hard to get herpes on your arm, but on the mucosal surfaces, it's easy. And or if you have a break in the skin and your and your skin, um, that makes it easier. Um, I I think it is discriminatory that we don't support the gay male community to protect them and get the vaccine to them as quickly as possible. And the fact that we are not allowed to say that it's almost exclusively in gay male, gay men, um, or excuse me, men who have sex with men um, is discriminatory because it's putting them at risk and perhaps not even getting the education material to them that a vaccine is available and a treatment is available. Um, some, somewhere around 50% of the monkeypox patients have HIV as well. And uh, I hope they are also uh, complying with their ongoing care with antivirals because that is also very important to keep this thing from becoming even nastier. So uh, there you go. Uh, the, the, we have more still insanity around just this one little outbreak. But what I want to put before you, here we go. This is good. We, we have a press, put it right here. We have a press that is uh, creating uh, panic around infectious diseases, Okay. And, and the, with the, the judgment, the, the point of view I need you to understand is that this is, this is the number, this is the amount of infectious diseases waiting for you in the world. This is a textbook of just infectious diseases. This is how many thousands of infectious diseases common are out there. And look, the print is very small on this thing. It is, it is tiny. And the, each page has three or four different infectious diseases or different kinds of manifestations of those infectious diseases. This is infectious diseases, everybody. And so when and some of them have outbreaks, some of them form pandemics, some of them have uh, epidemic quality to them. This is what medicine is. This before the advent of antibiotics, pretty much everything was this. Okay, now we're primarily disturbed by viruses. Those are what give us our biggest headaches these days. But to to take to isolate one virus because it has a cool name like monkeypox and create a panic around that, I could tell you ten other things in this textbook, including things like multi-resistant 
gonorrhea, multi-resistant tuberculosis, MAVM intracellulari, uh, certain kinds of rickettsial diseases. These are having huge outbreaks, and they are really harming people. You could be freaking out about them. You could easily sit around worrying about them, but the press does not uh, does not whip Pick you into those. that frenzy. And that is adult infectious disease. Here is pediatric infectious disease. And this, by the way, was the smallest tome I could find on infectious diseases of children. Most of them are two or three volumes like this. This is just children's infectious diseases. Okay? Waiting for kids. Another, this is why people train in medicine. Do we see these things? We treat them. We learn about them. And it gives us judgment. So when things do get nasty we can help people we can calm them down we can give them good treatments we can do the best by them but to to whip people into hysteria believe me in these two textbooks you will not find the term lockdown social distancing or uh you know use fear to, mask. to masking well there'll be some there's some technique with masking in here okay. uh, but it's to protect the caretakers protect the individuals wear a condom. or use fear yeah, wear a condom or use fear to to uh, to mo motivate patients or change behavior we have we have hiv uh, you know what the biggest problem in hiv care today is is compliance and we don't shame them or fear them, even though they're taking their life into their hands when they don't comply with antivirals. I kind of feel like they feared us a little bit. Who did? In the 80s. Oh, we did. We did. I was part of that. Yeah, yeah. We, we did. And and again, it was Dr. But, Fauci but that encouraged we, us to do that. Now we don't but, do that. No, what do you mean? We, oh, not with we HIV. We don't fear them, yes. Not with HIV. No, no, a... we, no we, we used fear to try to motivate people to understand that it could easily break into the heterosexual community. Until Magic Johnson I, got it, and then they mm, kept him alive for so long, everybody well, was really so, afraid. So, like, There was fear. I, I was guilty of, of using that fear, and I was encouraged by Dr. Fauci, who kept saying there would be 2 million deaths, and said, and said we had 175,000, and he kept saying 2 million, 2 million, 2 million. And we, we did much, much better than 2 million because we used some fear. And I, I'm not sure it was the right thing to do, but it's interesting to me that he he used fear again on a larger scale, and I think that it got away. I don't think he would. I don't think he was aware even of the degree to which some of the states were using fear to 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 bully people into submission and and the horrible plot. horrible judgment horrible judgment. You. Don't lie your don't lie down on the beach. Don't lay a towel down. Close the the, the but and then parks. trying to control everybody. It's this sort of oh my god, it was just so awful. Yeah, sort of big brother thing. Like we can well, see you. Don't lay down on the beach. And then the poor little, the poor little um, the guy that was watching the beach. What do you call him? Lifeguards. Lifeguards come over and they're like these yeah. nineteen-year-old boys going, "Could you please stand up?" I know, it's so ridiculous. It, those poor guys. I felt so bad for them. It, look, this was all incompetence. Everybody the, should have gotten out a was, cigarette that and was, started smoking or something. <laughs> that's funny. Th that was incompetence. That was disgusting display of incompetence. They should have known better. We should have been encouraged to go outside. It was obvious early, very early, that that was the case. And that could have easily been a policy. But instead, they were back to fear, 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 control, control, control. And that was not the right way to do it as no. this thing rolled along. Uh, okay. So, anyway. Uh, well, it's kind of like a form of brainwashing, too, because now, like, I still see people who are re really fearful, and you're not going to change their minds. Well, what do you think that fear is? Because uh, this is 
Whoops. You, what do you think that fear is? is? Omicron is a much milder illness, although I've seen some nasty Omicron. I've seen some of it. Well, uh, we can have some, vaccines. We some have... people like in the poor neighborhoods and, you know, the different areas like of New York and stuff, they they really were scared. They saw a lot of people die because they all live in very small contained areas with yeah. a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, they were carting grandmas off left and right and they were dying. And 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 they, just the the closeness of proximity in New York, everybody was just so fearful. And, and I can see that now it's not like now times square is up and running. People yeah, are, are shoulder to shoulder. Right. They're blowing. They're smoke not, they're, all not, over they're each required other. to wear masks on the, on the public transportation yet. Nobody, nobody does. wears them. Nobody yeah. does. But have you, I, did we wear it when we went on? No. I don't remember. No, we didn't. No, we did not. Mm. No, I, I seem to be, I mean, I'll pull it out if somebody wants me to, I don't care, but, um, they're not enforcing it, but yeah. it's also really hot. <laughs> you right. know? It's just I, I. It's really hard to see irrationality when, when you know, and 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 the opposite of good medicine. Again, it'd be the equivalent of going, "You have cancer. You could die. You, you could die." That's not my job. My job is to go. It's a bad illness. We got this. Keep going through your daily life. Wear some. Wear a mask. You want to protect yourself. This thing is nasty. We'll get you monoclonal antibodies. Here's how you do that. If you, I mean, there were so many things they didn't do. Remember back when I was two years ago, I was, you know, really upset that they weren't teaching people about monoclonal antibodies, which were free and available to everybody. So I went public, very public about my, you know, when I was very sick with them, with Alpha or Delta, whatever I had, and used monoclonal antibodies and was remarkable how much it helped me. And the overwhelming feedback I got, oh, you're special. You can afford it. No, it's free and it's available to everybody. Yeah, we and that was to and that was somehow offensive to people that it's a that the government bought it all up and was making it available to you and to tell you that is offensive. Well, it wasn't available everywhere though. It was hard to find. It was no, it was not hard to find. It was, it was highly available, highly highly available. Yeah, it was but everywhere. It was, people just weren't aware. Yes, thank you. I mean, Florida just made it easy. You could well, just and it was in. and you were pushed back on for trying to educate people about it. That that's the insanity we were in. So, politicizing right, medicine. Bring, uh, it turned it into a political Michelle. thing. Well, is it was it politicizing or was it just the panic and the hysteria? And then why why silencing people discussing how to approach this thing better? Why doing a better job with it? Why why would that have to be silenced? Uh, Michelle, go ahead. Hey, how are you? Hey, good. So my question is on a much lighter topic, although I was terrified to have sex in the eighties. Nice. Can I ask a question about the Adam and Dr. Drew show? Yeah. So sometimes, and I love the podcast because I love to hear you too. I can tell you're really good friends, but he can be naughty to you. Not, not, not naughty, nasty, <laughs> nasty. nasty. I, yeah. have to, I almost have to, I cringe and turn away and I'm yeah. sure he's, he doesn't mean to be that way. Cause I would date that man in a heartbeat and laugh my ass <laughs> off for two hours. But, but is he, is he just, is that just his personality? It is his personality for sure. Um, Susan, well, let's get Susan's thought first before I pull the curtain back. What do you think? It's Susan? not a shtick. Well, it is a he. He leans into it a little bit because uh, he we, he rarely talks to me that way in real life, but he does. <laughs> it will happen, uh, but rarely. I think he sort of leans into it a little more on the show, which is fine. And look, I I don't care. It doesn't bother me at I know. all. And um and and I, I mean Drew could fight back. He just doesn't choose to. Uh, yeah. Do you? And I, no, I I could. I, I haven't really I listened to the show in a while, so I don't want to get into it. I think the show. I hear you guys talking on the phone every day. So. I know. I think it's been, 
And you don't hear that when we talk on the phone at all. No. But I think I think it has been a lot better. I think, I think the show's actually been better lately. I think it's been very interesting. Yeah, because you pissed things. him. People got pissed off when he was mean to you. No, no, no. Because we're just getting into interesting territory. Because because you can mm -hmm. you you know because you can suddenly talk about things again. I mean, before you were you <laughs> if you talked about anything honest, you were like, is somebody going to cancel me for being just talking about what I'm thinking and feeling and seeing? Now you can kind of examine things again, and um, it makes it more interesting. Yeah, it has been. I just, a couple of times I've been like, man, I would smack that man if I was sitting across the table from him. <laughs> All right, that was my question. Thanks, right. guys. You got it. Appreciate it. Thanks Take for care. listening. That's so funny. That is funny. I uh, would smack that guy. <laughs> but she right, said she'd also is, date him, so. <laughs> I know, which is pretty funny. Uh, I think it's, I'm blank. Is it Amanda? I blanked on your name again. What is your name? Liz. Liz. Hey, Liz. Dr. Hey, Liz. How are you? Thanks. My heart just broke only a little bit. No, no, no big deal. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, today, I just wanted to ask about hep hepatitis. I mean, um, and just kind of the hepatic cells and the kind yeah. of progression of um, liver failure and, and well, you know, from the very beginning stages all the way to cirrhosis. Okay, so hold on, slow down, because I, I think I'm going to have to get another textbook on hepatology and flop, plop that down in front of me here. So let's just first talk about what do you mean when you say hepatitis? Hepatitis, the word, literally inflammation means... Inflammation of the liver, right? Correct. Inflamed. Now, the question Whether is... Whether it's due to medicine or alcohol abuse or um, hepatitis C or B, a virus, whatever it's... Correct. Um, so virus, right. so, so virus, medication, toxins, obstructions. Um, let's see, what other, what other sort of... Uh, there can be other circulating factors that can cause inflammation in the liver. So which do you want to know about? I just want to know about, I guess, on a hepatic cellular level, sort of the destruction that occurs okay. from any of those. And they're from, all different. Um, they're know, they're all different. To the, to the... They're all different. Okay. The, 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 the liver is highly resilient. It's one of the most, you can literally cut off two thirds of your liver and you'll grow it back. It is it, and it's highly dependent on its architecture for that ability to regenerate itself. It's it's a it's like a series of dodecahedrons on top of each other, and the problems develop when the architecture starts to break down on a large level throughout the organ. Okay, so having the inflammation, so there's inflammation, which it makes the liver cells not work right and makes some of them die, and that inflammation can include a what's called a fatty metamorphosis which is not fat in the sense that we have adipose, it's fat in the sense of fatty acids accumulation within the cells themselves so to make them not work right. And eventually they do kind of break down and when they break down or rupture, that brings in a bunch of inflammatory mediators and there's various inflammatory conditions of the liver. There's something right. called acute sclerosing hyaline necrosis, which is something that happens when people get alcoholic hepatitis, right? And some of these more active inflammatory processes in, a, in certain genetically prone individuals, it's not necessarily going to happen to everybody, but whether it's, it's more the chronic inflammation and chronic breakdown and the chronic um, sort of enlistment of these inflammatory cells and then these inflammatory cells disgorging mm -hmm. their inflammatory mediators and their cytokines are bringing more inflammatory material that ultimately results in the laying down of scar. And another, right. na another name for scar is cirrhosis. And when, right. and when the scars start getting laid down across that dodecahedron structure, now you got a problem because the cells keep trying to regenerate, 
but they're called regenerative nodules or cirrhotic nodules, and they can't go, they can't go anywhere, and they continue to break down, and they continue to create scars. So then once scar starts, that's when it becomes inexorable. So you always want to get at it before the scarring starts. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. I guess I was more, cons uh, you know, wondering about like liver failure and, and more and, of the and, acute. Yeah, and liver failure is a, a whole other thing, right? And because you can have massive necrosis of the liver, like sudden complete breakdown of the entire organ, it's hard to survive that, but it's possible to survive it. But you have to get at it early. And so, right. and so when people take, I think you must be thinking of a Tylenol overdose, for instance, right? Yes, yes, yeah. like stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, you know, so Tylenol overdoses, you take your, you know, your 15 Tylenol pills and you like, oh, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. I feel fine. Three days later, you're in the ICU because your liver just stops. And if you and it causes tremendous problems with electrolytes and phosphates and everything goes off, everything goes haywire. And you can sometimes stay on top of it and get people through it to the point that the liver, again, heals and regenerates. But you're sort of lucky when that happens. It's very Absolutely. hard. Massive liver failure is very difficult to treat. What are the sort of early signs of liver failure, for example? Well, jaundice is number one. You know, the bile stops moving right. through the liver and you get jaundice. And uh, encephalopathy, you get kind of confusion. You look like you're out of it. You look so you look intoxicated. Uh, and mm -hmm. pain, uh, they sometimes have pain, rapid quadrant pain. That happens too sometimes. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, mentioning upper upper quadrant pain. Yeah. What, I mean, I know that there's a million, you pull out another book, thickness yeah. of how, but when you hear upper quadrant pain related yeah. to the liver, yeah. what are your, what's going through your mind there? What are the first things that you're thinking? I mean, what's happening? Or When, when somebody has right upper quadrant pain, you think gallbladder and an otherwise healthy person. That's what you think about. Because uh, gallbladder is the most likely thing to hurt up there. And But there's a million, you know, uh, you know, pancreatic and biliary kinds of things that can go on that also cause pain. So, you know, you can have common bile duct obstruction from various things and, right. and you can have- If and, it's due to and, and, medication or alcohol, uh, yeah, what would you say then? If, if, the, if what? If the the jaundice is due to medication or alcohol? Or is that not like an issue with the, they usually so have, much? They don't usually have pain. You know, you, you worry about the pancreas. The pancreas can hurt. You know, that's more in the middle of the abdomen, not up in the right upper quadrant. And and you worry right. about something expanding in the liver, too. I mean, you can occasionally masses in the liver will, will cause pain. So it's just... You just you, you think we live in a time when you can look around. <laughs> you, you get a CAT scan or ultrasound, you can see what's going on there. Liz, I got to keep moving. Thank you for the question. Thank you. You bet, as always. Thank you for coming in here. And uh, we'll get Marissa up here. Uh, yeah, these are interesting questions. I'm happy to talk about this stuff. And Marissa, to uh, talk, you got to, uh, there you are. What's up? Hey, Dr. Drew. Hey. Um, I love all the work you do with addicts. Um, I struggled with addiction for 20 years, alcohol, and stopped at 38, now 41. And now I'm starting to get worried about later on in life. So I just wanted to ask you about what to look out for later on, because I know we're talking a lot about liver and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So yeah. again, I, I would maybe if you really want to look at it, uh, you know, go see a, an internist and maybe get an ultrasound of your liver or a liver scan to make sure everything's okay. Did you ever, is there any possibility that you have any kind of hepatitis or were you ever exposed to anything? 
No. Okay. Uh, my dad struggled with alcohol abuse yeah. and smoking and died of esophagus cancer. So yeah. that's kind of what got me really scared. Well, good. So. You should be. I mean, esophagus cancer is smoking plus alcohol plus HPV. If you get if you have those three things, you're pretty much going to get that's a pretty good risk for esophageal cancer. That's that's a rough one. Uh, also other head and neck cancers too, in addition to esophagus. So, okay. So did you smoke too? No. Okay, so good. So alcohol alone, not usually particularly in a female going to do that kind of thing, not typically. So you want to get your liver assessed. Women do have a higher incidence of alcoholic liver disease, but not necessarily cirrhosis. So your liver should be normal by now, having been sober for a while. So you might want to yep. just go in, maybe get an ultrasound, talk to a doctor about that. The only other organ system I really worry about is brain. Uh, you know, keep your brain as healthy as possible, get proper sleep, exercise right. Uh, and and that's it. And most people, in reality, even after long periods of drinking, kind of dodge serious stuff. Most people do. Um, so hopefully you'll be one of those that, that does so. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, you got it. Uh, yeah, brain is a rough one, though, because brain... Brain, you know, alcohol is not good for the brain for any of us. Uh, and, you know, as we get older, we want to preserve as much brain as we have. Uh, alcohol is not exactly our friend when it comes to that stuff. Uh, let me quickly go through your guys' restream and uh, rumble rants here. If you guys don't mind, give me a second to look at these things. I've got to wrap up pretty soon here. Appreciate all the questions. Uh, uh, is that true? Casey Gates tells us that Gavin Newsom's family is not vaccinated. I don't know if that's true or not. That'd be kind of wild, wouldn't it? Uh, and on the restream, I, think I heard that too. I heard a rumor that his kids weren't vaccinated. And again, I would argue the the decision to vaccinate young kids is a very difficult decision. It's not it's not a slam dunk. If you're 75, it's an easy decision. That we are clear the vaccine helps people over the age of 75. Very clear. Uh, oh my gosh, hepatitis C and herpes from the same date rape. Oh, that is that is rough. I hope you uh, got treated for the Hep C because that now is a treatable condition. One of the things I didn't mention about hepatitis, uh, talking to Liz is that for years of hepatitis, particularly hepatitis C, you can get liver cancer. That is that is something that definitely is a complication of chronic hepatitis C. Uh, let's see. Okay. Somebody was, uh, Steve, Steve's Wild Ride podcast had Bam on. Oh, good. Sounds like Bam's doing good. That, that'd be great news if that's true. Uh, Harvoni is great. Uh, it's Tom Cigars. I've had many people cured from it. It's uh, these medicines are amazing. These are these medicines that are antiviral that cure hepatitis C are just massively massive breakthrough. I did research on hepatitis C, C back in the eighties. We were using oh crap, r r mm, ribavirin back then. It was barely working. Uh, now we have much much better stuff. Okay, so uh, I. We will be back again, Susan, on Tuesday, correct? And is that with Charlotte Laws? Yes. Okay, so those of She's you that the saw 16th. the most dangerous... That's Tuesday the 16th, right? That's what I'm looking oh, yep, at? You're right, you're right, exactly. Okay. Uh, Charlotte Laws is the mom, there she is, the mom that took on... Hunter Moore, who was the most hated man on the internet, and she's the one that really got him put in prison. And so I, watch the watch the most hated man on the internet. Yes, on, is it on Netflix? Netflix. Netflix has been one of the top shows on Netflix for the last few weeks. Uh, if you go to the second episode, you'll see my interview with her on my old HLN program. 
And uh, she was very effective. And uh, we wanted to get it caught up with her and see what she's doing now. She's a journalist. She's obviously a, someone who uh, you don't want to cross. She uh, takes care of business. She and her daughter uh, figure prominently into that show. And Hunter, Hunter Moore apparently is back out in the world and has no remorse for what he was doing. And, no, I uh, thought he was still in jail. Nope, he's already through. Uh, that's what wow. I, I read somewhere. But Charlotte will give us an update. It'd be very interesting to hear from her. So please uh, pass the word along that we are interviewing Charlotte Laws. People liked that show and liked our interview with her back on the documentary. So it is Tuesday, 3 o'clock Pacific. And then, of course, we will have our show with uh, Dr. Kelly on Wednesday. Peter McCullough is the guest. A very controversial dude. Um, I'll be, again, an excellent physician, good academic. I don't agree with everything he says, but... It is time we pull... Run down as, memory line. I, yeah, and I've been thinking more about something Caleb said, about how if you keep things in the dark, it makes people more paranoid, more prone to conspiracy theories. And I am, he is absolutely 100% right. And so I want to bring things out to the light and talk about it and think about it. Uh, just talking to Alex Berenson clarified some of my thinking a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he also, by the way, was very helpful with the Swedish... Was it a Swedish study that Dr. Victory had quoted uh, about the... Uh, nature of there being possibly some way that the mRNA viruses are reverse transcribed to DNA. Uh, apparently that study was taken down. It was an in vitro study. More to be revealed on that. I have my, my uh, eye on that. And Matthias Desmet is a German psychologist who has the notion of mass formation psychosis. They exposed me to that guy, which I thought is interesting. And I will uh, look at a little more of his stuff before we get in going with Peter McCullough. And uh, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate the calls. Susan, and we'll be taking calls on Thursday. Is that what we're doing? I do a call show on Thursday. I, I like doing call shows. So I'm, uh, I think there's a, there. Or do we have a guest? We might have a guest on Thursday, but I do Say think anything. I would like to do more call shows. I think they're very, yeah, on the opposite days. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. We appreciate you it. Guys you guys have great questions. And if you like it and you have more questions that you, you're having trouble getting through on the uh, Twitter spaces, do send them to contact at drdrew.com. Wait, wait, Drew, you're not going to sort through those. No, I mean, I, I'm not. I sort through yeah, them. I know. You are. Okay. You do. Okay, Caleb, Caleb does too. I knew somebody yeah. did. <laughs> Maybe we should read some questions. Caleb, what do you think? I I, I prefer right if now? they actually call in on the show, but I can uh, I, I yeah, keep a me list too. of anything interesting. Usually I tell them to call in on the show if they send an email and it, it seems super interesting. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, I didn't talk about some of the topics that... It's just, uh, it's just hard to get to them all. Let me just quickly so say... That uh, Wendy Williams, uh, I've been reaching out to her to try to make sure she's doing okay. To me, she looks okay. She's been going through something, but she should be allowed to regain her career if that's what she wants to do. I mean, why wouldn't she? She's a really serious talent, and I fully support her. Uh, the SSRI studies and the fact that serotonin doesn't, uh, you know, that they don't raise serotonin levels, known for decades. They adjust the chemistry of the synapse, and they work in protein multiple fashions, including anti-inflammatory, which is why we use uh, fluvoxamine for COVID, because it has anti-inflammatory properties. There's there's other sort of regions of the brain are affected by SSRIs. So yes, we don't know the exact mechanisms that they work, but we have immense clinical studies, immense number of clinical studies that show that they are helpful for people with severe depression. And they are useful. Are they overprescribed? Yes, they're overprescribed. Are they, and should we be uh, cautious and look for better treatments? Of course, of course. Uh, okay, that is about all I have to say today. We appreciate y'all being here and we will see you uh, on Tuesday at three o'clock with Charlotte Laws. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. 
I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 